<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Today is the 50th anniversary of the Attica Prison Uprising, uh, the Attica Prison Massacre, the Attica Prison Rebellion, sometimes referred to as the Attica Prison Riot. This was a very big deal when it happened, and it's a very big deal in history. It is the bloodiest prison riot in the history of the United States. On this day, on 1971, out of the 2,200 men who were locked up at Attica, uh, 1,281 of them rose up and said, no more. They had a list of demands. They took 42 staff hostage. They basically took over the prison. The authorities, there was four days negotiations between the prisoners and the the officials and the state. The governor got involved, the whole thing. And the authorities agreed to 28 of their demands. I mean, there, there were some very, very legitimate complaints that they had. And then Nelson Rockefeller, the governor, the then, you know, governor of New York, ordered the state, you know, basically said, take back the prison. And they found 43 people dead when they took back the prison. And the story that we all heard back in 71 was that the dead people had been killed by the prisoners. And it was, uh, there there were 10 correctional officers who died and 33 inmates. 43 people altogether. What we later learned was that All of the prisoners who died, and apparently some of the correctional officers who died, were killed by the officers themselves. And the reason I I bring this up outside of the historical context, out of the, you know, on this day in history, you know, 50 years ago this happened, um, is this piece uh, that ran in, in Time magazine yesterday by Heather Ann Thompson, Titled 50 Years After Attica, Prisoners Are Still Protesting Brutal Conditions. Will America Finally Listen? And she notes, uh, she, she opens the piece by saying it happened in January. Now, we're talking 2021. It happened in January inside California's Santa Clara County jails. 
In April of last year, it happened at the Westville Correctional Facility in Indiana. It happened two separate times this year alone at the St. Louis City Justice Center. American prisoners basically, well, she uses the word erupted. I think you could call it uh, rebellion. And, uh, and in fact, she, she quotes uh, one of the people who was in, in this prison in Missouri telling a journalist, rebellion is our only grievance system. So, I mean, how else, how else do prisoners make their cases known? Now, most of the prison riots and jail rebellions that are happening, that have happened over the last year and a half, have been not so much over the brutality that's being inflicted on people routinely, which was at the basis of Attica, you know, a prison guard culture of violence and sadism. Um, but uh, around COVID, that's what's, you know, the, the fact that uh, the prisons are not dealing with COVID well and uh, the prisoners are mad as hell and not going to take it anymore. But the frame that I wanted to drop this into, and, and then I'll uh, end my rant and pick up your phone calls here, but um, the frame I wanted to put this in is the correction system as a, as a whole. I think we have to acknowledge that there are some people, for whatever reason, who are so damaged that they do have to be separated from society, in some cases, for their entire lives. I mean, we just have to acknowledge that. On the other end of the spectrum, there are some people who have broken laws and committed crimes who are genuinely remorseful and want to repay their debt to society and want to reintegrate themselves into society in a more you know, appropriate and wholesome way after having repaid their debt to society. And we conflate these or we, we, we mix these two together in ways that turn people who are not career criminals into career criminals that do extraordinary psychological damage to a lot of people who probably shouldn't be, you know, this should not, this kind of punishment should not be inflicted upon them. And we hurt ourselves as a society in the process. I have uh, said many times in this program and many times over the years that I think probably the most important documentary, maybe the most important documentary I've seen in my life, is Michael Moore's Where to Invade Next where he goes around the world and looks at different countries and how they're dealing with things from health care to uh, fam- paid family leave to prisons. And he, and he goes to Norway and he looks at the prison system in Norway. And it's, a, it's a literally a whole completely different thing. It's, it's uh, focused on rehabilitation. And we have a prison system that is focused on punishment. Now, I'm not saying that punishment shouldn't be part of this, but just being incarcerated is massive punishment. Having your liberty taken away is incredibly traumatizing. But then to be brutalized on top of that, that moves us out of corrections and and, uh, punishment and into uh, a realm that I think you can only describe as torture. And frankly, I, I believe that this came out of, and I think there's fairly good evidence for it, and we've had people on this program, you know, Maya Shenwar in particular, uh, multiple times, talking about this, that, that this came out of our experience with slavery. 
as a nation, our, our enslaving other human beings and the methods that uh, as a nation, and I say we, obviously I'm talking about white people in this country, um, used to enforce the brutality of slavery. And it is still with us. And it is still very much a part of our of our of the culture of imprisonment. And it's embodied by people like Donald Trump uh, telling a, a, a convention of police chiefs, you know, when you put that guy in the car, the, the suspect, a person who has not been convicted of any kind of crime, put that guy in the car, rough him up a little. Right? Don't don't put your hand over his head so he doesn't bang his head on the door. Just you know, slam him in there. I, obviously, I'm paraphrasing. But you, you you recall the incident. And it's a mentality that is particularly directed toward people of color. There's a new viral video uh, going on, a new video that's going viral right now out of Chicago of a woman who was walking through a park and a police, uh, she's black, a white police officer came up and said, you got to leave the park. She's like, okay, she's heading for the exit. She walks past four white people. The cop has not said a word to any of them, but he's following her with a gun. And somebody caught it on video, and she thought she was going to be killed. He went nuts on her. And he's now on administrative leave, which means he's still getting his paycheck and doesn't have to work. And it's like this, there is this punitive, violent culture in this country that, as I said, I think echoes back to slavery. And we have to figure out a way to 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 pull this weed out by its roots. And a lot of it is based in racism, obviously, but a lot of it is also based in, 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 in our culture, in the way we raise our kids, in the way that we, that we, uh, that we entertain ourselves with our movies, you know, the, the whole kind of Bruce Willis mentality, not to pick on Bruce Willis, he's a great actor. Um, but you, you get what I'm saying. You know, the, the, the vigilante justice kind of thing the 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 mythology of the wild west and 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 all that and i'll just wrap this up by saying you know attica is still with us and our prisons are still brutal places far more brutal than the prisons in europe for example and if we don't start looking at ways to reform the way that we're treating essentially ourselves we're going to continue to have these kinds of a kinds of crisis in the United States that are frankly not healthy for us as a society not to mention the the brutality that is routinely just gratuitously inflicted on people who have committed crimes but in most cases not crimes deserving of that kind of brutality See here who's on hold and how long they've been holding. I've tried to. Here we go. Julie in Posen, Michigan. Hey, Julie, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Nice to hear you. Um, first, I got a question, and then I want to say that there is a Supreme Court legal precedent to back this up. Okay. Vigilantism is illegal, right? In theory, uh, I, I, I think broadly in practice. Not 
the the Ku Klux Klan law is probably the most. Uh, Lawrence Tribe has been talking about this a lot. Is is probably okay. the most effective piece of legislation that could be used against the kind of vigilantism that they're trying to legalize in Texas. Okay, and how, how about that's what I'm talking about. In other words, they're hiring vigilantes, and if they get convictions, they will pay them ten thousand dollars. In other words, they're hiring. Right. It's illegal. Well, it? It, it is and it isn't, Julie, because we also have a law that if I know that you are cheating on your taxes and uh, and you, uh, I can turn you into the IRS and get a reward, which is... Yeah, but you're not getting paid by the state to do it. Yeah, That's I get a, a reward. I, I, get a piece of, I get a piece of what the IRS gets. Okay. Now, okay, let me mention this. I got this from Rachel Maddow. Mm-hmm. Years and years ago, there was this bar that tried to get a liquor license, and at the time... Churches were given out liquor licenses. No, churches could say no. Yeah, if, if you were within a certain yeah. number of feet of a church, the church could veto your liquor. I saw the segment, yeah, but yeah. keep going. Keep going, Julie. Yeah, well, well, they took them all the way to the Supreme Court. And won. And yeah. they won. Yep. Not, uh, the church didn't win the bar. Right. In other words, you can't put this on other people. Mm-hmm. So isn't this kind of the same thing? They're putting on other people to... I think so. It's it's uh, what what that case before the Supreme Court was about was allowing an an agency or a, 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 an institution which is not part of government. In this case, it was the Catholic Church, the Armenian Catholic Church that was on the other side of the alley from from the restaurant that wanted to have a liquor license. Um, I think it was it called McGrath's Bar, as I recall. Uh, but in any yeah, case, it was, there, it was this uh, Armenian church. And uh, they had the ability to veto the license, and they were not a government agency. And so the argument that the Supreme Court agreed with, that Lawrence Tribe took to the Supreme Court, was only government agencies can do this because we're talking about basically, you know, making law, issuing permits, doing government functions. Um, but and, and I think that the argument that you can't, a government can't give $10,000 to a vigilante for outing a woman on an abortion... Uh, probably falls squarely within that. The, the the thing that I didn't hear discussed on Rachel's show last night when she was talking about this was what about the, the bounties that the IRS offers to people who turn in companies and, and individuals who are cheating on their taxes? How is that different? And I don't know the answer to that question. But I do know that there is a certain amount of vigilantism, for lack of a better word, that we tolerate in this society or that we even encourage. And yeah, but this is this is government. I mean, this is the state of Texas paying for that. That's In correct. other words, they're, they're technically hiring vigilantes. Right, but those but those vigilantes are not. They're not blocking somebody from getting a liquor license. They're not stopping. Well, they're not even really stopping the abortion. They're just they're you know. The telltales. Yeah, I I just I, I don't know, Julie. I mean, they they have opened a huge can of worms here. And it's going to be real interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, Julie, thank you for the call. Thank you very much. It's 20 minutes past the hour. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and uh, Jonathan in Portland. Hey, Jonathan, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, So I was calling to ask your opinion. The reason I love your show is because I learned a tremendous amount about history and about the Constitution. And it would seem to me that 
the right to privacy is a, a central tenet of our democracy. And I, I, I'm, I wanted to bring that up in context with abortion, because it's my understanding that Ro, the, the central point of Roe v. Wade is that <clears throat> it's, it's a privacy right. That's correct. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a matter of when a baby becomes a baby, and yet the public discussion never seems to focus on that. And the only thing that I can attribute it to is that the right to privacy is simply too abstract for most people to, to understand, and I would I would say um, in relation to your rant about slavery, I would say the antithesis of privacy is slavery. So on to you. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, you know, Roe didn't establish the three trimester uh, standards. Uh, Roe simply legalized abortion, essentially. Um, that was a, a subsequent case called Casey versus Planned Parenthood, as I recall. And in Casey, the Supreme Court really made law by coming up with the three trimesters and having different standards for each one of those three trimesters, although they made law that was largely consistent with biology and science. Um, but the privacy part, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important point. And, and, you know, the founders did not use the word privacy because it had a, that word had a completely different meaning, you know, pre-1880. Um, it, it meant use the bathroom, use the toilet. It, uh, people had outhouses and they were called privies. And if you wanted to use the bathroom, you'd say, I need some privacy. And it was code for, you know, and it wasn't until Thomas Crapper invented the flush toilet and, and those things moved indoors that we started using the word privacy in a different way. And that was the latter half of the 19th century. And this was, of course, was all written in the 18th century. So uh, they used different, they were very specific. You know, you have the right to uh, safety and security of your person's papers. I'm, I'm forgetting the exact language of the, of the Fourth Amendment here, but I'll find it and read it to you very quickly. Um, yeah, the right of the of people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. Um, and, and, you know, and they also, in Roe, they also cited the Ninth Amendment and the Tenth Amendment, and I believe the Fifth Amendment, as all... Uh, falling under what uh, uh, Justice, I think, I think it might have been Rehnquist, um, uh, defined as the penumbra of, uh, of privacy, and, and redefined that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a it's a key to our democracy, Jonathan. I, I, I think your point is is very well made, um, and, and thank you for the call, Michael in Bangor, Maine. Hey, Michael, what's up? Tom, how are you today? I'm well. Uh, uh, you know, I just, it just occurred to me, we only have a minute and a half, so I'm just, uh, I, I promised you last time you called, I'd give you a little more time, but I'm, I have a hard break coming here, and then after that we got Katrina Vandenhoeven. What's on your mind? Very quickly, first, uh, what you just said about uh, privacy and all that, we can discuss it another time because it's very interesting. The Constitution never created a right to privacy. The Supreme Court had to, and that's what concerns a lot of conservatives like me. It's not constitutionally based. It's almost quasi-common law. Second point, the lady that just uh, called you and was talking about vigilantism, the distinction here, and it's not good as a conservative, the vigilantism that is uh, being professed through the statute is it's, it's against practicing a right that is law at the moment Correct. which is which which is different than what the if you report an IRS bad guy so 
there is a distinction there. Oh, yeah, because uh, that's that's revealing a crime, and in this case, it, there's no crime involved in getting the abortion. Uh, for the most part, right? Uh, correct. I mean, at least in theory. Yeah. And on viability, and, and on viability, the last thing I, I want to bring up, uh, and I'll say very quickly, it's a canard for both sides. A baby does not exist outside the womb unless it gets three to five years of help, and then it still needs help to 18. The, 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 the viability argument should never exist. We should just decide as a country whether we want to assign life at gestation or not. Yeah, uh, and that's You're the that's, to hang the on Tom just a second. Hartman program. At what point in gestation? I think you mean, and and I don't I don't disagree with you. I think that we need to have this national conversation. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Tom in North Hollywood, California. Hey, Tom, thanks for listening to WRRD. What's up? Hey, Tom. Uh, first off, um, uh, we the people are the government, and we must never forget that. That's um, the point. I'm listening to you on double radio out of Wisconsin, uh, mm-hmm. Madison, Wisconsin, uh, on their app. So I want to oh, give cool. them a shout-out, to because they're the only progressive radio station in all of Wisconsin. Um, Mike Crute. And uh, third, I want to say, you know, Tom, we talked about this messaging, and um, I really believe that we're missing the boat on this messaging with a woman's right to choose versus big government's right to choose. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of women out there, a lot of women out there that choose to actually carry a uh, pregnancy to, um, To to, uh, to term. So... Why we keep getting involved in this whole 
life versus death thing, I don't understand because to me, it's about either a woman makes a choice and the woman can either choose to carry it to term or not carry it to term, or it's about the government telling us, we the people being the government, I don't think we the people have a say in what a woman has to do with her body and with her uh, spouse or the person that got her pregnant or whatever. It's their choice. Yeah, re- about choice. reframing it yeah, as a woman's choice versus big government's choice. Which one do you want? Exactly. You know, but the problem exactly is the right. the uh, forced birth crowd would say, you know, that this is one of those rare exceptions where big big government is uh, what, exactly what we want and we like. Um, so, so, Tom, we have to we have to at a progressive level, and we as people have to start framing it that way. Yeah. Because I know from being indoctrinated in the Catholic faith from a very young age and wearing the little fetus thing on my coat and all that kind of stuff that they had you do, which was a big dogmatic thing that happened back then, um, because they've been at this now for 40 years, as you know, or more. Um, But somehow they got that word pro-life. We need to take that word pro-life back, because we are against wars. We are against the death penalty. We are against, um, you know... What happened in 1974, Tom? In 1974, the the pro-life movement, and it had been for 30 years or longer. It had been for my entire lifetime at that point. The pro-life movement, when you said, you know, I was, I'm a member of the pro-life movement, everybody understood that you were one of those people who was opposed to the death penalty. You were one of those people who protested every time there was a, a state-sanctioned uh, execution. That was the pro-life movement. And the anti-abortion people just took the word. They just took the phrase and made it their own. They sure did, and the opposite of pro-life is pro-death. Let's be honest about it. But really what it is is it's pro a woman's right to choose, and there has to be a noun on the other side, which is pro-big government's right to choose. Yeah, I get and it. I really hope that we start framing it that way, because a woman doesn't necessarily choose to terminate a pregnancy. And that way those people, in fact, I would say 80%, 90% of the women choose to actually carry a child to term. Yeah. So we really need to stop this with this, this pro, you know, this idea of abortion because even that word has been, you know, really, really misused. So yeah. it's pro a woman's right to choose or pro the government's right to choose. Yeah, got it. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you also being in glpages.com as always. Thank you. Oh, hey, Tom. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Thank you very much. And thanks for your plug. You know, for 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 us, for our show in your in your guide for uh, gay and lesbian yellow pages. Uh, Ann in Alameda, California. Hey, Ann, what's on your mind today? Hey, I'm thinking of this Texas law as a wonderful opportunity for harassment, slander, and extortion. Yeah. Okay. Here's the scene. Let's say I live in Texas and I'm an engineer working for a big company big, read deep pockets. And my boss sends me to L.A. for a couple of days uh, to go work with a client. Now, our CEO is a big, important person and has some enemies. So one of these bad actors that wants to do bad things to my companies contacts this group of whistleblower activists and says, okay, guys, here's a thousand bucks. I want you to file a lawsuit against this company claiming that they sent her, they paid her ticket to, to California to have an abortion. 
they can even invent a fictitious nosy neighbor of mine who knows I had an abortion and, of course, couldn't possibly know which clinic I went to in L.A. And, of course, her identity has to be protected because the nasty corporation might might retaliate against her. Now, what is the court supposed to do with this? How is the judge? Because these are not prosecutors that are supposed to go into court with an ironclad case. These are not even lawyers who can be disbarred if they come into court with a complete BS case like uh, Sidney Powell and the Kraken. So how is the, whose responsibility is, to, is it to investigate? Who has the burden of proof? Yeah. My company lawyers drag me into court as a witness. I'm not the victim here. I'm a witness. And I say, Your Honor, I wasn't pregnant. And the activists say, well, of course she's going to lie. Everybody that has an abortion lies about it. What is the court supposed to do? This is a mess. And it doesn't take much imagination to see the opportunity here for slander against my employer and extortion. I, 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 and, and I, uh, first of all, just just to clarify, uh, you would have th- that trip that you take would have to be instead of going from, uh, let's say, f- you know, Fort Worth to Los Angeles, it would have to be like Fort Worth to Houston because uh, out of state abortions are not included in this law. And I think that they did that very carefully. Um, because uh, are you sure they did that very, very carefully? Uh, yeah. And the reason why I think they did it very carefully is because all these white men who are who wrote this law. And uh, many of them have mistresses who get knocked up from time to time, and they want to make sure that they can still get an abortion. Right. This this law is not going to affect wealthy white women. This 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 law is only going to affect people who can't afford to travel out of state. So there's a huge out of state exception built into this law. Number one. But number two, if you travel to another city, yes, you know, I mean, I, I get I get what you're saying. And and I think that it's going to be fascinating. The first the first one of these lawsuits to drop, and, and I'm surprised that there hasn't been one at this point, but the first one of these lawsuits that drops is going to tell us how this all plays out. And it's <laughs> going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. And i got to move well, you on. You could certainly stimulate a media circus with it. There you go. Thank you very much for the call. It's great to okay. hear from you. Marcus in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hey, Marcus, thanks for listening to Sirius XM. What's up? Yeah. Uh, hey, Tom. Just wondering, uh, with this uh, rally to kill democracy going on September 18th in Washington D.C., is there any movement for a counter protest? There or is. Counter rally? There is. There, there are. Is? There are a lot of people who are planning to show up, and that was uh, to counter protest it. And that's one of the concerns of the police, frankly, um, because a lot of the people on the the people who are planning to show up in protest, uh, you know, uh, well, generally speaking, are not known for violence. Uh, but the people who are protesting are proud, you know, supporters, uh, for lack of a better word, of violence. And, uh, you know, so, yeah. Did you, were you going to go somewhere with that? Or were you just wondering? Yeah the, yeah, the passion just seems to be more on their side than it is on ours, it seems like at times. Well, they're the ones having rallies and yeah, they're you know, they're passionate about crazy. I mean, you know, but yeah, I get it. I get it. Marcus, thank you for the call. Chris in Redding, California. Hey, Chris, what's on your mind? Yeah, going back to the earlier conversation about the abortion law in Texas, mm-hmm. I think that uh, our side needs to get a little more aggressive about how we use language. And I think we should stop calling the group pro-life and call them pro-fetus or pro-zygote and uh, do that in the media and do it consistently. And and like you say, take back the word uh, pro-life for uh, anti-death uh, because people on their side really aren't pro-life. Once a fetus is born, they could care less about it. And uh, actually, the new people are pretty nihilistic. 
And then the, the effect of the law in Texas is going to be that women are going to die when they could otherwise have a safe and legal procedure. And so we need to talk, start talking about femicide and talk about uh, killing females, yeah, uh, whether, that's the intent the, whether that's the intent or the effect of these laws. We need to be pretty brutal and direct in our language, I think. Yeah, femicide. It's been a long time since I've heard that word, but um, it's exactly what, what we're talking about. It's exactly what we're talking about. Um, amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. I, I appreciate the call, Chris. Linda in California City, California. Hey, Linda, what's up? Hi, Tom. This horrible Texas law is not just about women. Very little girls, as young as 9 and 10, can sometimes become pregnant. You're right. At that age, most pelvic bones are not even close to being sufficiently matured to carry and deliver a baby. Some of these children, especially because their abusers will prevent it, will not see a doctor until it's too late. Yep. A direct result of this law is going to be that little girls, especially low-income Black and brown and undocumented little girls are going to die an awful death. This has got to be stopped. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Linda. And, um, you know, I, I suspect it will be. Um, but if it's not, we are rapidly sliding into two Americas in a, in a very literal sense, where, where state boundaries, state borders become as consequential in many regards as the border between the United States and Canada or the border between the United States and Mexico. And then you wonder, you know, is, is uh, Texas going to put up a wall to keep their women in? Linda, thank you for the call. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Wouldn't that be interesting? Texas starts building a wall with what? Uh, Arizona? Is that what's next to them? Or New Mexico? I forget the geography of the area. And Louisiana? Mike in Simi Valley, California. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. I just want to say that everything you say is 100% for me. But I think that... um you mentioned what can the Dems do? Well, we need we need a Bob Geldof. We need a, a person that can be able to reach everybody. Use the media. That's what Bannon did, for one thing. Um, it's I mean challenging the Republicans. I mean, say on, on say on on TV, for instance, some sort of debate. The Republicans will not debate because they don't they're not reasonable. Uh, well, and they, and they don't need to. to do that. I mean, it's just like during this congressional recess, the members of Congress are supposed to be doing town halls. Have you heard of a single one? I mean, nobody's doing town halls. Democrats aren't doing them because they know that it's just a, a magnet for for right wing wackos with with uh, automatic weapons. Republicans aren't doing them because they don't want to answer hard questions. But, but I'm saying that what if what if there was a challenge just on, say, on, on one of the networks or all of the networks or whatever, saying, let's challenge the issues. Would they do it? And if they were to do it, I think that wouldn't make any sense. I think the Democrats, you know, you know, people like Joyce Vance or Carvel, there's so many people who are so smart. And most of these people, most of these Republicans, I think, I'm, I'd, I'd say most, I'd say, 
yes, most. They don't have any reasonable answers. And that's why I'm saying using the media. But it would cost money to do that. Does that make any sense at all to you? It does. And, and, and I'm surprised how often, you know, when watching particularly the Sunday news shows, they'll, they'll, yes. they'll say something outrageous is happening. Uh, you know, a Republican so-and-so did it. We invited him on, but he chose not to be here. I mean, you know, it's like they just they're just like, hey, I don't need the media. I've got Fox News. I don't need to do anything else. And, and so they, you know, they're just always talking to their own echo chamber. And that's that's the problem. Mike, thanks for the call. <laughs> Linda in Auburn, Washington. Hey, Linda, what's on your mind today? Hi. Hey. Um, OK. Uh, the issue of the pro-life versus pro-choice. I want to um, I care about peace and I want to put forth an idea of put it, talking about pro-human and also looking at the concept of pro-God versus some people want to just put goodness as a ultimate value. But the problem with that is some people's goodness might be different than other people's. Some people might decide we don't need all these people. So if we put, even if people don't fully believe in a conscious being called God or self-existent one, or Jesus, the idea of putting this parent-like figure above our society that loves everyone like a parent loves, so that no human is less than another human, and that I feel I want to just put that forward as a um, you know, possibility to frame, frame things in that way, yeah. that, and work with China and Russia, because we need to stop wars and feed everyone. This will be a way. Linda, know, if, if I may, I, I only have ten seconds. You're def- what you're doing. What you're describing is George Lakoff's dichotomy. He said that Republicans, conservatives generally view the world through the strict parent model, and in this case, in the case that you're talking about, that strict parent is God. Um, Progressives, liberals, Democrats generally view the world through the nurturing family model. You know, we're all in this together. We're all here for each other. Um, And in that case, that would be the religion, you know, and and I think you're describing kind of the difference between the Puritans and the Quakers, essentially. Linda, I got to run, but thank you for the call. Excellent points all. We'll be right back. Tom Hartman here with you and Jan in Etna Green, Indiana. Hey, Jan, what's on your mind today? I'd like to give my two cents worth on the abortion issue. Please. Um, While you can force a woman to have a baby, you cannot force her to become a mother. Um, According to what reports you read, I've read there have been 40 million to 60 million children aborted in this country. I don't know which is true. Well, none of them were Uh, children. Let's be clear, Jan. They were they uh, were all fetuses or zygotes or uh, ovum. My my mistake. My mistake. I I apologize. 40 to 60 million fetuses have been aborted. Um, But then, if these children are forced to be born, uh, then that opens up sort of a whole new industry for the rich. Um, these children that are unwanted uh, can't be afforded um, or can't be taken care of will then become wards of the state. And that uh, leaves open for a whole new complex uh, for the rich to become richer by taking these children and housing them. So instead of just just making money on private prisons, they'll now make money on on private, uh, they'll probably call them boarding schools, 
Um, in, and, they used to call them foundling homes because they were children who were just dumped on the doorstep, you know, foundlings. Um, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And as in every case, follow the money. Yeah, amazing. Jan, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Christine in mm-hmm. Lexington, South Carolina. Hey, Christine, what's up? Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Tom. Um, I haven't heard anybody discuss, and I might have missed it, the morning after pill. Um, I think as a stopgap until some of these things get filtered to court and they lose, that we ought to be t- encouraging supplies of the morning after pill. Yeah. Which is not an abortion pill because the um, the egg has not implanted at that point. Um, well, by the definitions and, of the Catholic Church, it is an abortion pill, and, yeah, and well, therefore Texas wrong. is trying to criminalize them right now. Well, that's wrong. I mean, it's not yeah. an abortion pill. I get it medically. I get yeah. it. Yeah, and um, yeah, and uh, so anyway, if I was living in Texas and fertile age, I certainly would be stocking up, mm. and I don't know that if these Planned Parenthood agencies are able to give that out, because that wouldn't fall under the abortion laws it's written. Is that not correct? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, yeah. But, but, I, I, but I do know that there's a big effort. There, there's a big effort yeah. right now. I mean, there's been an effort all along to criminalize sure, sure. Plan B. Um, you know, which is right. the, the morning after pill. There's also right. a, a uh, an effort to criminalize regular hormonal birth control pills because the real fanatics in the forced birth movement um, suggest that because those pills prevent, uh, they also prevent implantation, you know, that they are also producing abortions. And sure. I, I mean, this whole thing of when life begins, I mean, we just need to get back to, you know, fetal viability right. as the standard. Christine, thank you very much. Forrest in Portland, Maine. Hey, Forrest, you're getting a lot of noise here. What's Hi, up? Hey, you're on the air. Uh, I'm, I'm a Baptist pastor, and I'm pro-choice. And, you know, I, I know the Texas law is about controlling women. Uh, but I'm just curious, you know, why the, the moderates that, that may be the moderate Republicans that are supporting this Texas abortion law, why they uh, don't follow the science and see that, you know, birth control and, you know, Democratic administrations, uh, sex education, these are what drop abortion rates. If they really want to stop Did you know, Forrest, in Texas, it is a crime for a teacher to tell students about birth control pills, that they even exist? I did, and, and in, in Maine, I'm very fortunate to have had sex education in the public school system. Yeah, but not in Texas. I mean, in Texas, they have, no. they have you know, Reagan rolled out this thing in 1982 as a nationwide program of a sex, a, a abstinence-only sex education that only mentions the fact that if you have sex before before you're married, you're, you're vulnerable to disease. In fact, they call it the, the, the sex safety law or something like that. You're vulnerable to disease, and no man will ever want to marry you. Um, and that has been adopted by lots and lots of states. It was stopped in 2010. The funding for that program was stopped by Barack Obama. It was picked up by Trump, and he tripled the budget in 20-whatever-the-year-was, 20, 2017, uh, I think it was. And, uh, and it's still running. 
And that's the kind of thing that they're teaching in Texas is abstinence only. And abstinence only sex it's education. Oh, it, it, it produces unwanted pregnancies. I mean, we know this. Yes. It's, it's not, go. you know, so, and like I said, it's not going to affect the wealthy white guys who are passing this law or their wives or their mistresses because they'll just hop on a plane and, and like, you know, it used to be abortion pre-73, abortion was legal in New York and Nevada. People used to go to other states to get abortions. That's what's going to happen now. Forrest, thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Mark in Long Beach, California, you're on the air. Hi, Tom. The last couple of days you, you've been talking about the, the, the right to privacy, and I hear this on other talk shows, too. And it, it drives me nuts that um, it, it, the, the right to privacy is found nowhere in the Constitution. Nowhere. Actually, the right to privacy is very clearly explicated in the in the Constitution, particularly in the Fourth Amendment. They just didn't use no, the word not. privacy, because no, the word not. privacy no, in no, 1780 no. meant something completely different. No, 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 it's not. Um, the right to privacy comes from a case called Griswold versus Connecticut. I'm familiar with it. And just huh? I'm familiar with it. Okay. Well, then you know you should know it, it that legalized just, birth control. Just Essentially, what? yeah. It, it, yeah at that point in time in Connecticut, you could the police could barge into a married couple's home and arrest them for having condoms, and and the Supreme Court said no, they have the right to privacy in their own home. Clearly, goes right to the Fourth Amendment, though. How how is that not the Fourth Amendment, Mark? The Fourth Amendment is a protection against unreasonable search and seizures, which is right? which is Griswold, police. Can I talk? Can I talk? In Griswold versus Connecticut, it was Justice uh, Douglas wrote, and I, and I heard you earlier say that you, this was Rehnquist, but it's not. Yeah, you're right. Justice Douglas, and he wrote that the right to privacy is found in the penumbras of other enumerated rights in the Constitution. Yes. That's where it comes from. It doesn't come from any any amendment in the Constitution. No, that was my point. It's 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 a synthesis of multiple. It, it appears in multiple places in okay, the Constitution. Here's what, here's what, okay, let me talk. This I think the confusion is is that uh, Justice um, uh, Goldberg wrote a concurrent uh, uh, decision, and he talked about the other amendments in the Constitution. And he he was trying to he was trying to pin it on several of them. He said uh, he concluded that it should be in the Ninth Amendment. Now the Ninth Amendment is is a uh, a catch-all amendment, right? It, meaning that if it's he, the he, rights go know, back to the people if they're not yeah people if, if not the government if the Constitution hasn't claimed it. Yeah, it's this says it's not limited. Right. To, um, right. Ninth is people, tenth is states, as I recall. Yes. Why do you keep saying states? I was just dis- making the distinction between the Ninth and Tenth Amendment. Those two amendments both say largely the same thing, which is that the enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. That's the Ninth. And then the Tenth, the power is not delegated nor prohibited to it by the states, are reserved to the states, respectively, or the people, the Tenth. I think I think that's both. Mark, I'm sorry, we're, we're, we're out of time, but thank you for the call. I hope I let you talk enough.
Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And welcome back. Picking up your phone calls, Alejandro in Miami. Hey, Alejandro, what's up? Hello, Tom. I'm glad you took my call. I wanted to go into uh, the whole abortion, Texas abortion law thing. Mm -hmm. Go for it. And I just wanted to... I wanted to present both my own, my own personal arguments and Alan Dershowitz's arguments as well. He just had an interview recently on um, Newsmax, I know. But, you know, he, he made a good point in the, you know, video, inter you know, whatever, in the, mm -hmm. on Newsmax. He pointed out that the law is pretty unconstitutional on its face because of the whole Byzantine, you know, procedure of it. Because, you know, you can't just use a slick procedure to try to invalidate your constitutional rights. Because why? That could lead to a slippery slope because, as he correctly pointed out in you know in the in the video on Newsmax, what stops is a Texas law were successful and it has a chilling effect on your constitutional right to have an abortion. What stops the state from imposing other uh, laws that could impede your constitutional rights, like free speech or you know, hey, uh, if if you post uh, you know if you post a blog that I don't agree with, we're going to allow a private actor to sue you. You know, or just or, or hey, you can have a white person stop black people from voting, but just have it under the guise of, oh, no voter uh, in, you know, right. uh, or, or, or the, the, the one that the one that you, you can use really to freak out Republicans is, uh, you know, what happens when some very, very blue state that has strong gun control laws passes a law that uh, empowers all the citizens of that state to, to essentially, you know, rat out people who have guns illegally and give them a ten thousand dollar, you know, let them sue and all of a sudden, oh, my God, the Second Amendment, what? What? <laughs> so, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I get right. it. Right. Right. No, and, and that's what that's I why I think this law is not going to survive. No, I, it won't survive constitutional scrutiny because, I mean, the, the Supreme Court, unfortunately, is playing footsies with it. And mm -hmm. they're like oh, kicking the can down the road because, you know, they're playing procedural games. But ultimately, if it was in front of their desk, if they had any integrity, they could not rule. I mean, they they couldn't allow a Texas law to stand because it's blatantly against Roe versus Wade and the subsequent case law, especially Casey versus Parenthood, because the law, as intended, does provide it is 
uh, puts an undue burden on women getting an abortion because, hello, no woman can get an abortion in Texas now because no abortion provider wants to get risk, risk getting sued by some random person who's enforcing right. this law. Right. And, and I want to add my own and legal opinion to this. Uh, the, the people who thought about this scheme, you know, they, they're, they think they're so clever. But the problem is, is that even if they try to deputize private actors, you know, to, because they want to avoid the state somehow directly enforcing it, when the state tries, to, when a state uses private actors to do something, that's you know that's still considered a state actor. So those private uh, parties are still state actors because they're they're taking on the role of the government and in, in enforcing that law. So in my opinion, you know that still you know is the state of Texas you know enforcing the law. They're just using different agents than the prosecutors are. Except you know? they're not, so Alejandro, because the law there's no law against abortion in Texas. So, you know, at least first trimester anyway. So the state actors are not enforcing the law. They're actually enforcing something that is not the law. Um, If they were turning in tax cheats, they'd be enforcing the law. But uh, Mm -hmm. trying to trying to bust people who are helping somebody get an abortion, um, that's not a violation of the law. And I think that's a very, very important distinction. Alejandro, thanks a lot for the call. Jerry in San Francisco. Hey, Jerry, what's on your mind today? (laughs) <laughs> everything that you just said because i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna do a less effective rant than you just did but i think you made the point that i was going to try to make here by saying that we have to look at texas south dakota florida all those places as not part of the united states any longer and they're not part of the united states because of what you just said they're psychically taken away from us they didn't succeed on per uh, physically they did it um, illegally and uh, psychically, as I just said. Yeah. And, you know, I think we should uh, set up some stuff that would counter uh, valence that, that, those people. And that one is to set up an underground railroad and get some of the women who have bounties on their heads who, who want an abortion or want just freedom to get out of there and, and help them out of those states. I think uh, the federal yeah. government should, should rearrange taxes that uh for example i live in california sending the sending their money down to mississippi and alabama and who knows where that money actually goes yep. uh take that money and then set up ways to get doctors teachers nurses and anybody else who wants to get out of those states because they're not part of the united states anymore and a lot of those people in those states know it well and here's here's the problem with that jerry here you know if yeah. if we were to encourage a, uh, a reverse migration, as it were, you know, a migration out yeah. of red states into blue states. Um, and I, actually, the uh, some blue states are growing. You know, here in uh, Oregon, we're going to get a new congressional district because we're growing. Um, but also, there's a bunch of red states that are growing because it's cheap to live there. And right. people, people who are on a fixed income, they're on Social Security or or they can work from home. They're moving to some of the red states just because it's cheaper. Um, but if we were to successfully encourage them to leave those states, we would be creating within our own country sacrifice zones that could come back to bite us. I mean, we're, you know, we bombed and invaded and occupied Afghanistan for 20 years because it was the second poorest country in the world and thus easy right. pickings for bin Laden to set up Al Qaeda there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think if we just say to hell with them all and uh, that. You know, we're we're just inviting homegrown Al Qaeda's here. Well, I think that's I, mean, I understand your sentiment. We, but. We, you know, <laughs> September eighteenth is we, is what we got. We haven't really fought back at these people at all. 
Yeah. I mean, when the people raided on January 6th, most of them are getting suspended sentences and, and put a, you know, something on their uh, ankle. For, oh, and there was 10,000 people there, and they've arrested 500 of them. Right, and so that's what I'm talking about. We've already done this. This is These guys are so empowered because we haven't stopped them once. And when you have a law that says you have, you have no more chance to, uh, to choose what you do with your body and then say you're going to have to get, take, it, take that fetus to full term and give birth if, if your father raped you or, uh, or you got raped by somebody else and then put a bounty on your head, that, to me... This You just said it in the beginning. This is not part of the United States any longer. Those yeah. states have chosen to secede, and we need to come up with, I don't know, what should Biden you I think know, say, I think the flip, uh, flip side is going to happen, Jerry. And, I, you know, of course, I'm the perpetual optimist. But I think what's going to happen right. is a lot of these guys, they've gone so far that in the 2022 election, they're going to get wiped out, just like they did, uh, you know, back in the 2018 midterms. Yeah. I well, hope. Thanks for that rant. And yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jerry. Good talking to you. Jay in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, Jay, thanks for watching us on Free Speech. What's up? Yeah, I think this is a bell-ringing moment right now. The Supreme Court does not have any uh, right to legislate from the bench. But they've been doing it for 200 years, Jay. Yeah, but we need to get more Supreme Court justices on there so we can fight back. Do you I remember agree. when we lost with Gore? <laughs> we don't need to go back to that and then decide in the next election. Yeah. That's what, what I'm afraid of. What, 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 what am I missing? What did we lose with Gore? What do you mean? Uh, about uh, three days after 9-11, in the back pages of, I think it was the New York Times, it said how Gore actually did win on the numbers. Oh, of the yes. Yeah, that was, that was published, I think, on November 17th. I, I, and I fear we're heading towards another one. Yeah. Oh, uh, in 2024. Oh, yeah. They're doing everything they can to steal the election. You've got 16 or 17 states now that have changed their election laws um, to yeah. make it easier for people with militia garb and guns to come into polling places and intimidate people. Um, that make it easier for the, le- the election officials to decide which votes to count um, and which yeah. not, or essentially who gets provisional ballots and who don't and who doesn't. And provisional ballots are, are you know usually not counted. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Roosevelt have 13 Supreme Court justices? He upped it. I know it's been done before. Maybe yeah, you're, you're wrong. No, Franklin Roosevelt proposed that. What and and what happened was he there was so much public support. And I know that this is not what you will find when you try to Google this on the internet. But if you actually read the newspapers of the time or the biographies of the time, as opposed to how everything's being rewritten on on the internet and Wikipedia and everything else. Um, Roosevelt was very popular at that time, and when he proposed, what he proposed was there were nine people on the Supreme Court. That we, we ended up with that number after uh, Ulysses Grant, after uh, Andrew Johnson left the White House. Uh, Grant uh, took the Supreme Court back up to nine. They had shrunk it down because they didn't want Johnson to be able to appoint anybody. Um, you know, after Lincoln was assassinated, and Grant took it up to nine, and it's been there ever since. But. What FDR proposed to do, he at the time, out of those nine people, my recollection, I could be wrong, it's in my book on the Supreme Court, uh, but it's been two years since I wrote that book, but my recollection is that there were five members of the court at that time who were over 70, and what FDR proposed was that all the members who are over 70 collectively have one vote. They'd be called uh, members emeritus, they're still on the court, they still hear arguments, but all five of them have one vote, 
and then four new members would be added to make up for the, you know, so to take it back to nine total votes. And uh, that was his so-called court packing scheme. And it was so popular that uh, Justice, uh, Justice Owen Roberts, who was the leader of, they called them the four horsemen, the, the, the guys who were always striking down Franklin Roosevelt's laws, uh, you know, the, the most fanatic of the right-wingers, uh, Owen Roberts changed his vote on, on the American Reconstruction Act, which included Social Security, or it was on the edge of including Social Security. And that was basically when the dam broke. That was when the Supreme Court stopped being obstructionist. That was in 1937. And they did that because they didn't want Franklin Roosevelt to do this. And there was a very good chance it would pass Congress. I mean, FDR was still a very, very popular guy. And Joe Biden may well be rolling out something very similar to that. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, we need it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Jay, thank you for the call. Although, rather than having it, you know, replace the oldest members, I think, we, you know, we had, our, the population of the United States was something like 40 or 50 million. I mean, it was very small back, you know, when Ulysses S. Grant was president. And we had nine members of the court. We're 340 million people now. We need a larger court. Let's see here. Johnny in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Johnny, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind? Well, I just have one thought on my mind with abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we ought to fight fire with fire. You know, this Texas arrangement that's going on is obviously not legal in the minds of the people that vote and live in our country. And abortion is a tough question. You know, I, I debate with it myself all the time. But since they've got this proposal to spend $10,000 for a vigilante, why don't we take a positive approach and say, you know, the opposite of that is let's do something to reward the decision of birth. Give them $20,000 if they decide to go through the doors of abortion, as long as they have the baby and then take it further by finding a home for it or getting the assistance to do that. There are actually nations that are incentivizing giving birth right now. Poland is doing it. Hungary is doing it. I believe Russia is doing it. I could be wrong. Um, Because they're concerned that, in particular, their white populations are not reproducing at the same rate as the populations of color in their countries. These are uh, not even uh, thinly veiled, you know, racist shticks that the you know the programs that they're running, but there are countries that are doing that. But I, you know, I I I think that this whole idea of we're going to control women by offering them money or not, by offering them penalties or not, um, by by having vigilantes go after them or not. Um, it all starts with uh, we and women, and that should—that's the part that's so toxic. Women, women are half of humanity, and should have the the right and power and agency to do whatever the hell they want with their own body, as long as it's their own body. And in my mind, with you know a fetus, that is very much the case until viability. Right. No, I agree. I agree 100 percent. It's just the atmosphere that we have today is so negative that things like this Texas idea are very, very pessimistic. They're, they're not legal. They're, the public, I don't believe, would support that yeah. approach. Yeah, no, I don't think. The public doesn't. No. It's very unpopular. Johnny, thank you for the call.
You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 